Welcome to Co-Water Voice. We voice critical views and marginalized aspirations within the water development sector. Co-Water is a postdoctoral research program funded by the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program, Marie Skodowska-Kuri Action. Co-Water examines conflicts over water resources and water territories and seeks to understand the conditions of possibility for turning conflicts into civil society co-production. I am Pratimi Vidyatmi Putri, the University of Kassel in Witzenhausen. In the rest season of spring 2022, I invite you to know my colleagues. Kowota is hosted at the Department of International Agricultural Policy and Environmental Governance in the Faculty of Organic Agricultural Sciences at the University of Kassel. It is not surprising that many researchers affiliated in the department has been working on water socio-ecological systems and water governance. I spoke to three doctoral candidates working on this theme. Arvin Lakshmisha works on the topic of rural urban dynamics in water governance in the lake region of Bangalore. Nora Schütze analyzes cross-sectoral and cross-level coordination between water and agricultural sectors in three Spanish river basins. And Ahmed Soliman conducts an institutional analysis in rehabilitated irrigation systems in the Nile Delta of Egypt. Three of them work with rich research methods, and I have learned a lot from them. In this episode, I speak to Arvind Laksmisa. I'm Arvind Lakshmi Shah and I'm a research associate with the Section for International Agriculture Policy and Environment Governance at the University of Kassel. And I've been working as a research associate and a doctoral candidate there since 2017. And my background is more interdisciplinary. I come from an engineering background, then I pursued a master's in climate science and policy, and then I have another Uh, masters in public policy and most of my work has been around climate adaptation and policy advocacy around climate adaptation of farmers and fisher folk in the rural areas and urban water security and peri-urban water security mainly in the urban areas mostly in South Asia it kind of relates to my PhD thesis as well and my research work at the section is mainly on how urbanization is affecting natural resource management and how this urban transformation leads to changes in governance of uh, natural resources. So we focus mainly on lakes because my case area is the city of Bangalore. It's called, it used to be called and is still called the city of lakes uh, because it's very interesting setting, uh, which we will get to, I'm sure, in the later part of the discussion. So we choose a lake, three lakes, no, five lakes, sorry, five lakes uh, along a spatial gradient because we could not get enough temporal data. So we thought, why not use a spatial gradient to see how urbanization affects 
or is influencing lake management and you know governance of lakes in the greater metropolitan region of Bangalore. I think it's very interesting that um, the story about lakes and urbanization. Uh, would you please give some historical backgrounds about the lake itself? I mean, uh, how the lakes being there? <laughs> I mean, uh, are they uh, natural lakes or man-made lakes? And maybe you could you could introduce a little bit about the lakes, our main protagonist in this conversation. Uh, yes, lakes and urbanization is very interesting. And lakes in Bangalore, I think, goes back to ancient times because Bangalore as a city was is not is not is not along any river and as you know bangalore if you present in the southern plateau of the indian subcontinent it is at a height of 900 meters above sea level so and the topography is such that the water kind of flows out of the city so the city is on a high ground and the topography is the water moves out of it in all the directions there is no river that is present here so the city developed uh, in you know coupled with the development of lakes if you because uh, without lakes that's how the um, locals of that time kind of uh, developed agriculture practices and established the city so if you look at it there's been a lot of research on this lakes and bangalore mostly by harini nagendra and her colleague so as i was saying bangalore does not have a river there's no perennial river so what the ancient did was Wherever there was a low-lying area, they kind of uh, built uh, barrages kind of a thing. They just built these walls so they could just store water and they used that water throughout the year. So, and with the topography of Bangalore, so the lakes itself kind of formed a river structure because they were interlinked. So they built it in such a way that one lake overflows and then the water flows into the next and then the next and the next. So there we have these huge, very well interconnected network of lake. A lot of historical work has been done when the lake, you know, then the lakes were kind of, uh, some say they were, they were just drained to stop the British from coming. So they didn't have water to survive. Then there was a lot of um, change in governance that happened from the local to the British colonial uh, rule. And then, of course, Bangalore was still part of um, the Mysore kingdom. The king was still there. And there's a lot of uh, historical uh, references which say that communities kind of, it, it took like 50 years where the kind of the lakes were drained, the lakes were in disuse, and the city had to move out with the British onslaught and stuff. So the lakes kind of this um, deteriorated in the long term. So when they came back and they wanted to do something with the lakes, the people themselves could not do it because there was a there was a lot of famine. There were lot, they were poor. They could not, and the government itself could not do anything because the, the city has like thousand lakes. There's a thing that goes that the city has thousand lakes, and of course the one single government could not do anything to, you know, bring it back to its normal uh, historical use. So the lakes kind of lost its importance. The lakes kind of lost its uh, use. They kind of most of them of course there's still a lot of lakes in the city and you see and with the urbanization that hit with the uh, with the, in the 2000s you know and the late with the new millennium as you can say uh bangalore became the it hub and the it capital of uh, india so there was a lot of migration in migration that happened a lot of development the state government also expanded the city they did not consider a lot of things um 
So a lot of lakes were encroached upon. Uh, a lot of these connections that were built with between the lakes were encroached upon. And also with the eight in the 80s, there was a lot of anti-malaria programs by the central government and the state government. So they drained a lot of these lakes because they were also recipient of the sewage, urban sewage. And it was only in the 2000s with a lot of people coming in, there was a lot of talk of uh, the need for environment, the need for urban environment, urban spaces, urban social spaces. People were more interested in what's happening in the neighborhood. They all needed something and they were well-educated in ecology and they wanted to you know preserve what is historical and what is there so there was a lot of movements that started in the city in the 90s late 90s um, in the 90s and then moved on and evolved so so basically the lakes kind of lost it and now they're back in light i might say that lakes played a huge role in terms of flood mitigation in terms of uh, providing groundwater Now that you have mentioned spatial gradients, in this gradients, I wonder what really interests you. I can imagine that the stories of ecological function alone would differ across the gradients. Use indeed is interpreted by the actors, but perhaps social ecological functions in rural areas are very different from functions in urban areas. I can also imagine that Conflicts over the use of the lakes would also be different in terms of types and intensity within these spatial gradients. Maybe you can tell us more about the spatial gradients and specificities of institutions attached to each. When looking at in terms of ecosystem services, it's very clear. So there's a shift from cultural to production-related services in the rural, whereas in the urban, it's more cultural-related services. In terms of institutions, it's also very different because the state government kind of how so the administrative boundaries right so the delimitation of the urban region of the city kind of segregates these lakes a lot because now the lakes in the city in the urban region fall under the city municipal corporation the city administration as the lakes in the villages of the periurban and the rural parts fall among let let me leave out the peri-urban for now. So so let me speak about the rural and the urban, right? So in the urban, it's more the city administration. In the rural areas, it's more the village administration. And the village administration talks a lot or you know interacts a lot with the minor irrigation department because irrigation is the main source there. So the way they function and the way they manage a lake is based on their objective of basically providing as much irrigation as possible. Whereas in the urban areas, it's the city administration, which kind of irrigation is not their priority at all. For them, lakes is basically, let's concretize the whole thing and let's, you know, have walkways and have, I don't know, a jogging paths and a recreation area. And so even in terms of institutions of management, in terms of rules, in terms of regulations, it's very different because in the rural, it's it can be, I won't say it's 100% open access, but still people can access the lake when they want to do what they want with the lake whereas in the urban areas now most of these lakes are fenced most of you know there's a lot of exclusionary principle that comes into play in the urban setting compared to the rural parts of it uh in terms of the peri-urban which is quite unique in itself because as as you know peri-urban has got no proper definition but the most acclaimed definition is it has mixed 
uses of both urban and rural um, settings, right? So looking at that, you see that the lake, also it, it kind of fits perfectly for our case because the lake uh, is surrounded by four different villages. The lake was used by four different villages historically. And now one of the villages has been developed. There's an industrial area, that industrial estate that was set up in one of the villages. So there's complete lack of agriculture in that one village. And there the community kind of hopes that the lake is closed and they do not care for the lake anymore. They're like, the lake is a nuisance and it's reducing, it's causing a lot of health issues. Whereas in the other three, which surround the lake, agriculture is still very prominent. So there the people still depend on the lake and they kind of still care for the lake. They want to do something for the lake. But the thing again would be, you know, there's a lot of lack of communication between these villagers now because of development, because of whatever, and then administrative uh, segregation as well. Because now of these, the, of the four villages, one now belongs to a town, town corporate panchayat, as we call it, the local administrative uh, body. The other three villages are now again segregated into two separate local administrative bodies. So, and then these bodies also do not interact with each other. So everybody has plans and you know rules for the lake but nobody interacts with each other so there's a lot of confusion that happens there's there's literally nobody knows what to do and everybody wants to do something you know everybody does something but nobody knows what to do kind of a situation have shared with me a draft uh, of a paper that talks about reaching actors which is also one of your important research questions within your PhD study, and I guess you will publish soon about it. Just one question about it. So what you mean by bridging actors is to bridge problems across these gradients, or you talk also about a very specific within uh, the administrative boundaries that have been divine? Um, yes, so bridging actors. So we would have loved to have some actors across the gradient, to be honest. But in reality, what we see is actors are restricted by administrative boundaries. So there is, I can tell you now, not, but that would be in my thesis as well, is that one of the conclusions and one of the suggestions would be that there is no one single actor that kind of bridges across the gradient, even though it's the same watershed that we're speaking of. There's no one actor that kind of um, can interact across the gradient, at least um, not an informal actor. Even formally, it has a lot of formal procedures and that kind of does not take place. Uh, so what we look at is basically within administrative boundaries for a particular lake, the lakes that we consider. And uh, we see that there are a lot of lot many more active bridging actors in the urban area, which is of course a given compared to the rural, but the reasons for them to come in and to act and to work with the network are quite different. Because in the urban areas, it's more uh, to do with conservation, to do with sustenance, you know, to do with sustainability and all these um, reasons. Whereas in the rural area, it's more to do with uh, information. It's mainly information. Uh, sharing and you know resource sharing but in the urban area it's mainly resource sharing and uh, in the peri-urban obviously we do not see any bridging actor across these numerous actors that are present so 
Uh, here, I'd like to tell you one thing because I was doing an in interview with one of the organizations which, which said it works along this whole chain in the watershed. And then when I was speaking to them, I said, do you only work in urban areas and not beyond, you know? Uh, do you work at the whole watershed or how? what is your area of scope? And then the lady who was uh, talking to me said, we work only with the urban boundaries, you know? We do not go beyond our boundaries because it is not our neighborhoods. So that is the kind of um, attitude I see in both uh, formal and informal organizations in the city, which kind of say they are not our neighborhood. So that so we're not going to work with them. So it still I think needs a lot of um, an actor which can you know work overcome these uh, conflict of interests and conflicts that are present in terms of administrative boundaries and how they can enhance more coordination among these uh, different lakes. But it is also interesting that there have been cases within the city, for example, within the urban boundaries, if there are two or three lakes connected, then you have examples where just one organization works across these three lakes and coordinates with all different, all different um, organizations and state agencies. But when it comes to working beyond the administrative boundaries, that is still not taking place. So the bridging actors that we focus on are mainly lake specific. So to see how and what are the reasons and what is their role in enhancing or in enabling co-management of these lakes. Um, what, what exactly um, the problems that uh, addressed by these bridging actors. I mean, I was imagining before that, oh, maybe a higher level of state institution or, I mean, state uh, authorities would, would have uh, capacity and power and legitimation to, to make different actors um, really work together. But maybe you could illustrate it, uh, uh, one particular event or or uh, event or or problem that that's really occurred that could illustrate better what is actually the problem of of institutional breaching maybe um highlight just one case so we had just to highlight a case i would take one of the urban cases because uh, that would give us a better understanding of how institutions evolved as well, you know, temporally from being a rural lake to an urban lake, and also kind of helps us understand bridging actors, maybe organizations much better. Focusing on the urban case now, so with that, with regard to that, so with bridging bridging organizations, your question was mainly on how they help, or what what, what are the problems that they're solving, right? If I get it right. So in the urban case, what we see is the bridging organization there is a third sector organization. It's an NGO. Uh, it's an NGO, a community-based organization, um, which is working on the lake in collaboration with the state government. It's interesting here because the state government itself invited the NGO to work with them to help them uh, mainly with two main objectives in mind. One was to bring in private financing, mainly from the corporates. And, and the second one was uh, to kind of create um, community-based 
who had similar objectives and goals towards the lake why these two objectives right these uh, the main problem statement so the first one in terms of uh, finances so as i said the city has like thousand lakes and the urban the city administration uh, it is rumored at present has around 200 lakes under its control so the city does not have enough finances the administration does not have enough finances to manage 200 different lakes in one go so what the citizens proposed in the 90s so you know we as i was telling you so there was a lot of movement towards conserving lakes in the 90s so they said the citizens are willing to help the state manage these lakes uh, without a fee but the city had to pay them of course the actual cost of management but not the uh, but not pay for the man human resources but mainly for other resources so and then we had the you know, corporate CSR Act that came in, Corporate Sustainability um, Resources Act. So which kind of then said that nearly 2% of every corporate industry, the private sector, the private industry needed to earmark 2% for the benefit of its surrounding areas. So, so as, I, as Bangalore was the IT capital at that time, so we had a lot of IT industries who were also working towards saving these lakes. So it was quite apt for the city government to say, okay, so we kind of offset these costs to these private actors who can you know, support us in working these things. So that was the reason why they went approach this uh, one specific organization, because they were really good at getting private funding and the second one was as i said was to create a homo a community with a homogeneous goal towards uh, a similar goal towards lake conservation why because with urbanization what happened was there was a lot of migration in migration as i said so we had people from different parts of the country we had people who were working in different sectors we had complete outsiders in this area and they never associated themselves with the lake because they, they were not they were, they, were not, they were newcomers, they did not know what was there and why was it there, what is its role, and they never understood these things from a local context. Of course, they knew it. I'm not going to say they were complete idiots or something, but then they never understood it from a local context. So we had, so the city administration could needed the support of another organization, which could connect and, you know, talk with these people, develop this um, common understanding, a shared understanding of the lake and why is it there what is its importance and how to conserve it and stuff uh, and all the related issues so that is why they approached this specific third sector organization who they had worked with before and for the from an organ from the organization's perspective they were looking to ex they, were, they just set up uh, office in bangalore in 2010 and they were looking to expand working on social issues within the city and of course in the city the lakes are one of the major social issues so they also wanted to work on lakes that worked with another organization uh, with another community uh, group uh, on lakes so they found it really good opportunity to work with the government bring in their principles of uh, building up a community getting finances so that is where this bridging organization came into picture there 
which was initiated by the state and it kind of developed a local community organization involving local residents who were keen on working with the lake and who had um, some idea of how they wanted to contribute to the betterment of the city and how they could do it was also because as i said it was a very heterogeneous group that was present there so they they struggled hard for nearly two years to build up that community trust and build up that social bonding among people so they had to work with local elected representatives they had to work with local leaders they had to work with traditional leaders they had to create an awareness that you know some people did not even know that the lake was there because it was dry and it was just overgrown with weed so people did not even know that it was a lake so they had to kind of come up with this whole awareness campaign so they said this is your lake and you needed to be involved in it and how so plus they had very good how would you say they are very reputed for getting finances from private companies and of course these uh, most of these multinational companies in the city have their social responsibility teams uh, where they work with uh, local communities on social issues so they involved a lot of these uh, or you know companies to come down clear the lake clean it up uh, you know then start planting more trees so when the local residents saw that you know this was an organization that they could trust and this was an organization that was present there and was doing something for them so it was so they had to break a lot of boundaries and they had to break a lot of walls to bring the local community on board so which usually the state with limited state in the sense the city administration with limited uh, resources and manpower both you know financial and human resources it's hard for them to do that somehow so it's it's always so the one of the major roles of the bridging organization would be to create this connect between citizens and the city government or the state as you may as is commonly you can imagine uh, in the absence of a local community organization because there are so many other localities where the community organizations are strong and they could bargain and interact with the state you know and this was a newly urbanizing area and there was no single voice so in these regions, it was quite useful to have a bridging organization who could not only act as a connect, as a bridge, but also act as this community enabler or a builder. So that is the kind of role that these organizations mainly do. I know you also yourself come from Bangalore, correct? Yes. And yeah. uh, now that you um, look at your own city uh, as a researcher and uh, to, to have an end question, if you could reflect on this whole dynamics, uh, what could this lake, uh, these lakes or the lake networks uh, tell us about institutions? I mean, uh, well, as a PhD researcher, you would have a particular concept or well, some concepts, but if you could uh, point one one of your most favorite uh, <laughs> uh, concept to explain the dynamics, but maybe on the other way, how these dynamics would would uh, help us thinking about the concept itself? Very interesting because, <laughs> as you said, uh, I, yeah. So one of the major concepts that I would say historically, come as as you said, I come from the city of Bangalore, so. I have seen the city change and evolve. I've been here, I don't know, since birth. So 
for the past 30 years, how the city's evolved and changed have been part of it in a way for most of the last 30 years. And one of the things, uh, one of the, if you want me to associate it with a concept, with a single concept, I would say the city of Bangalore as such, as in any, I don't know, in most Indian cities, I would say metropolitan cities, metropolis, metropolis, you see that it's par, it's it's an amalgamation of several villages. All right. So villages were merged as and when the city grew and it became part of the city administration. So and every village and every local administration was quite different. They realized what was the local context uh, in while implementing or you know rules and regulations according to it. But now with this one huge metropolis and one huge city administration, there's this lack of understanding of the local. Not going to the global level, but even at the local level, there's still a lack of understanding of what exactly is part of it. So I would say the concept that fits most is the concept of polycentricity because there's there needs to be there are so many actors that are present. There are so many decision makers. There's so many organizations that are present, but there's such a lack of interaction among them and. So you see that there's this kind of loss of a pluralistic society or a pluralistic way of managing the more monopolized or more centralized way of uh, managing a city's resources, which is which is needed, of course. But you still at the local level, you still need to be quite as lakes as we're talking of lakes that the lakes serve a very particular purpose in every particular context, even in the city. You see. And this happens even with the organization that's in charge, the state agency that's in charge, in charge of the lake. Because if the lake is with the forest department, the objective of the forest department is conservation and sustainability. So they'll look and they look at lakes as these places which are natural, you know, they look at lakes as these natural uh, conservation spots and they develop lakes according to that. And then you have the city administration, which kind of looks at lakes as part of a development process. So they focus more on the development of lakes in terms of concretizing the bands, then having these uh, fancy paved jogging tracks and walking walkways and a child, a, I don't know, a exercise park that comes up there within the lake boundaries. So, and they use a lot of tech, yeah. So even there, there's a lot of difference. You see that there are, but all of them are still working towards the common goal of conservation of lakes and protection of lakes uh, for the urban uh, dwelling. So you see that there's a need for understanding of this concept of polycentricity in terms of because in terms of management of lakes. Because in the global south, there's been so little researched under the lens of polycentricity. It's coming up. It's coming up right now. So there's this huge scope of understanding and the need for researching through this lens uh, to kind of better manage the lakes for so that we hope that, that you know the city has water for the coming years for the years to come with the current heat wave in in, in south asia that's happening with temperatures touching i don't know 
45, 50 degrees and in areas that was not before. So I think you need to be more open to involving the different actors that are present. Rather, it, it, there's a need to break these silos and saying, yes, everybody is present here. We all have the same goal and we need to work towards it. So we need to look at this whole management issue from a completely different lens or from the lens of polycentricity rather than every organization working, agency working for itself. And the same goes with the community as well, because the state, you have multiple actors, you have community multiple actors. And then, so, you know, you have two separate set of multiple actors who come together and then the multiplicity just increases. And there's literally zero interaction that, I won't say zero, there's such limited interaction that happens that there's not even enough sharing of information that takes place. And that is why we need these bridging organizations who can act on, you know, in, in terms of, I'm not going to say leaders or something, leadership is part of it, but then I would say you need these collectives who can work together and kind of come up with proper sustainable management practices in the city. Many thanks, Arvind, for having taught us about Bangalore, the lakes, and the polycentric uh, character of them. <laughs> <laughs>